Good morning, everyone. Our opening song is number 429, Jesus is Lord of All. Now we will have our call to worship. Good morning. Call to worship this morning is Psalm 72, verses 1 through 7. Give the king thy judgments, O God, and thy righteousness unto the king's son. He shall judge thy people with righteousness, and thy poor with judgment. The mountains shall bring peace to the people and the little hills by righteousness. He shall judge the poor of the people. He shall save the children of the needy and shall bring in pieces the oppressor. They shall fear thee as long as the sun and moon endure throughout all generations. He shall come down like rain upon the mown grass as showers that water the earth. In his days shall the righteous flourish in abundance of peace so long as the moon endureth. Amen. Now for our next song, we'll sing number 524. We've a story to tell to the nations. 524. Turn their hearts to the right A story 
Let us pray. Three in one God, we have gathered here this morning to worship you. But you know how easily we can get distracted. So we pray your spirit that he would move among us and in us and just take away every distraction, everything that would keep the eyes of our heart in the ears of our heart from being open to you. Please help us to open up totally to you, let you into us, that through this time of worship, the prayers, the singing, the word, the sacrament, that we would be drawn closer to you through Jesus and we would be made more like Jesus before we leave this place. We ask it in his name and for his glory. Amen. And now um, take your uh, bulletin inserts and we will pray together our prayer of confession. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are proved right when you speak and justified when you judge Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Surely you desire truth in the inner parts. You teach me wisdom in the inmost place. Cleanse me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. 
Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will come back to you. Amen. Now that is a singular prayer of confession written by David. And I believe he wrote it as Solomon was growing up. And when he says, my sin is ever before me, there's Solomon, the son of his adultery and the son of his murder. But God can forgive any sins that we bring to him in repentance and in asking for forgiveness. So just remember the words that the Apostle John wrote to the Christians as a whole, to the church. If we confess our sins, and that's not only our individual sins, but our collective sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins. And, you know, I think we'd all be happy enough just to know we're forgiven, but God is so much more than that, as we'll hear later in Scripture today, and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He will make us righteous as he is righteous. Well, let's um, sing a song of praise because of all that. We'll now sing number four, Majesty. Now we will have the reading of our scripture for this morning. Scripture reading this morning, 2 Samuel 
chapter 7, verses 1 through 17. And it came to pass, when the king sat in his house, and the Lord had given him rest round about from all his enemies, that the king said unto Nathan the prophet, See now, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwelleth within curtains. And Nathan said to the king, Go, do all that is in thine heart, for the Lord is with thee. And it came to pass that night that the word of the Lord came unto Nathan, saying, Go and tell my servant David, thus saith the Lord, Shalt thou build me a house for me to dwell in? Whereas I have not dwelt in any house since the time that I brought up the children of Israel out of Egypt, even to this day, but have walked in a tent and in a tabernacle, in all the places wherein I have walked with all the children of Israel, spake I a word with any of the tribes of Israel, whom I commanded to feed my people Israel, saying, Why build ye not a house of cedar? Now therefore shalt thou say unto my servant David, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I took thee from the sheep cot, from following the sheep, to be a ruler over my people, over Israel. And I was with thee whithersoever thou wentest, and I have cut off all thine enemies out of thy sight, and have made thee a great name, like unto the name of great men that are in the earth. Moreover, I will appoint a place for my people Israel, and will plant them that they may dwell in a place of their own and move no more. Neither shall the children of wickedness afflict them any more as before time. And as since the time that I commanded judges to be over my people Israel and have caused thee to rest from all thine enemies. Also the Lord telleth thee that he will make thee a house. And when thy days be fulfilled, and thou shalt sleep with thy fathers, I will set up thy seed after thee, which shall proceed out of thy bowels, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he shall be my son. And if he commit iniquity, I will chasten him with a rod of men, and with the stripes of the children of men. But my mercy shall not depart away from him, as I took it from Saul, whom I put away before thee. And thine house and thy kingdom shall be established forever before thee. Thy throne shall be established forever. According to all these words, and according to all this vision, so did Nathan speak unto David." Now, Luke 1, verses 30 through 33. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Amen. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Let us now go to the Lord in prayer. Lord God, we thank you that the scriptures we have heard this morning speak to your gracious faithfulness. What you say, you do. And you do what you say, even if it takes a thousand years. And applying the metaphor that you gave to Moses in the psalm that he wrote, 1,000 years to us is just one day to you. 
And thank you that we live when we do, because it has been 3,000 years since you spoke to the prophet Nathan to correct him and to give your most gracious no ever given because what you actually gave to David and what you give in reality to all of us is so much more than he ever sought to do for you. And the same is true for us. And in the history of your people, and even in our own walk with you, if it's been more than a decade, this is true. You give us far more and much better than we would ever dare to ask of you. Salah. Let's think about that. So, as we begin to emerge safely out of this pandemic, we thank you. And we also pray for the rest of our country and so many places in the world that are still very much in need of good vaccines so that this virus will die out and go away. And we pray for your church, our brothers and sisters around the world, that we may truly be salt and light to witness to your son, the eternal Savior King, because this pandemic has exposed exposed um, weaknesses and fractures in our relationships with one another, and that we don't really love one another as you have loved us, being willing to sacrifice for each other and to do anything for our neighbor. Now, the world can't save itself. And we do not have the gift to save others. But we do know the one who is the way, the truth, and the life. So please empower us with the strong love of the Holy Spirit to testify to our Savior Jesus in words and deeds of love. And we pray for the members of this, our local body. We pray for Joe and his family, Norma and her family, Nancy, Ray, and their large family. We pray for Francis, for John and Pat, Charlie, Kurt and Dory. Father, we say an extra prayer for Doris this morning as she is very much in need. We pray for Allie and her family, Renato. We pray for Christine, Father, and we pray that this condition that she has, that uh, you would help her to be able to um, cope with it and, and cope with it in, in a very victorious way. Uh, we pray for her mother and her brother Steve and his wife Annie and their family. We also pray for her sister Lisa. We pray for Sally and Jimmy and Ken and, and Peter and Linda. Father, thank you that you know our needs even better than we know them ourselves. And we just trust you to give us what we truly need, even if it's not what we think we want. And we pray for your word in our hearts. Please open us up for rebuke, correction, and training in righteousness. And we pray that when we partake of the sacrament, may we truly experience the presence of the Savior Jesus both among us and in us as we celebrate it. And now we join together in the model outline prayer that Jesus taught us, doing more than just reciting memorized words. And please give us during the week to come some time to do justice to the whole outline that we may fill in the many subheadings 
that you allow us to fill in and pray depending on our circumstances. But now we say the words as they appear in Scripture. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And now if you'll take your bulletin inserts, before we go to the word of God, we will sing together, Knowing You. given by God for our benefit if we will receive it. Now, Paul told his son in the faith, Timothy, that every verse of Scripture, every verse 
is useful for teaching. What did he mean by this? First, Scripture tells us what is displeasing to God, what is wrong in his eyes. In other words, by Scripture, God calls us out when we're wrong. Second, it corrects us by showing us what is pleasing in God's eyes, what he considers to be right attitudes and right behaviors. And then finally, over time, it trains us to be righteous in our character as God is righteous in his character. Now that said, it seems obvious that some passages in Scripture are a cut above other passages. In other words, today's interaction between King David, his prophet Nathan, and the covenant God it is the very first time in scripture that God made it clear that he would send an eternal human king to earth and this human king would rule forever. Now the gospel portion, which was given 1,000 years later, says this king is also the savior of humanity. These passages, and I thought about this yesterday, I may make the case they are the best, but they are clearly in the top 10, the top 10 of scripture, showing the teaching and teaching. So, you know, through an illustration in real human lives, we are taught the strong love of God for frail, sinful human beings. Now, let's dig into these prime cuts, to use a restaurant term, so we can know God better and appreciate him more. First, the passage from 2 Samuel, the historical prophets. We'll sum it up quickly. David at rest in a cedar house wants for, uh, to build a house for God. But when God says to him, clearly, no. However, he does tell him more that a descendant of David will build a house for God and this descendant will be the eternal king. So, David was at rest in a house of cedar, and he told Nathan the prophet that God's ark shouldn't be dwelling in a tent. But Yahweh ended up telling David, David would not be the one to build him a house of cedar. Let's now look at it line by line. Then it came to pass, I love the King James translation, Because King David dwelt in a house and Yahweh had caused him to rest from all his enemies, he said to the prophet Nathan, I'm dwelling in a house of cedar and God's ark is dwelling in a tent. Now, when he says rest, what this means is that David is experiencing, experiencing a settled and secure rest. He's actually finally, for the first time in his life, no longer at war. There's no longer violence going on. Now, when it comes to a cedar house, I was reminded of my childhood. And when we went to a distant relative's farmhouse in upstate New York, I hope you have all had the experience of going inside of a fully cedar-lined closet and closing the door. It's one of the most heavenly smells I've ever smelled in my life. And in scripture, cedar is used as a synonym 
or uh, symbolizing blessings and luxury. And then as David's enjoying his cedar house, he makes it very clear because God's ark is in a tent, he's concerned that his God is worse off than him. David can't stand that thought. And then the prophet Nathan immediately responds, all that is in your heart, go, do, because God is with you, Yahweh's with you. Now, Nathan is hasty. We've already heard the whole story. There's no evidence that he took even a moment to pray or to seek God for his will. And as we've already heard, Yahweh immediately corrects Nathan for his hasty answer. The very next words are that same night, the word of Yahweh came to Nathan, go and tell my servant David, thus says Yahweh, would you build me a house? Would you build me a house to dwell? So, Nathan is now corrected by God himself for not speaking for God to David. That was his own answer. And with a rhetorical question, God clearly says David will not build a house of worship for him. Yahweh continues, because I have not dwelt in a house since the day I brought Israel up from Egypt. To this day, I dwell in a tent and tabernacle. In all the places I went, did I speak with the shepherds I commanded over the tribes to say, why have you not built me a house of cedar? It is now about 500 years since the tabernacle had been built according to the very detailed instructions that were given to Moses on the mountain, the exact instructions. And then again, God, by questions, is directing the conversation. He asks all of these tribal leaders, remember, David is only the second king ever over Israel. They had been a confederation of individual tribes, And he said, I commanded leaders over all these tribes to to shepherd my people, to feed them. Did I ever speak a word to you all? Did I ever ask for a cedar house? Continuing on, he gets to the heart of the matter. And this is where we see how wonderful God is. Then he tells Nathan, he will build a house for David. Think of that. And then after David dies, his seed will be raised up as the eternal king or Messiah until eternity of eternity. Continuing, thus shall you say to my servant, David, Yahweh of hosts, Yahweh Savaoth says, I took you from following the sheep of the pasture to be prince over my people and I have been with you cut off your enemies, and made your name great. So this is all specific to David. Remember when Saul rebelled against Yahweh as the sin of witchcraft, he chose a young shepherd, David, and made him king instead of Saul. And then he reminds David of three great acts he's been doing for him. He has, first of all, been with David everywhere he has gone. And he has cut off all of David's enemies. That's why he's now settled and secure in a deep rest. And he has made his name great like the great ones of the earth, even beyond. He continues, I will make a place for Israel and plant him to dwell in it for him. And he will not be troubled and evil men shall not afflict him as they had at the first. So now he's again, 
He's talking to the nation of Israel as a singular nation. All of them are descended from the one man. And it's a two-sided blessing. Positively, he has planted this nation descended from Israel to live in his own place. And this isn't really negative, but what he's telling him is it will no longer be bad. You'll no longer be afflicted or troubled by evil people. It's a win-win, two great things. And then he says, from the day I commanded judges, remember that 300-year span of judges, over my people, I have given you rest from enemies. And Yahweh declares, Yahweh will, one, make to you a house. You're not making me a house. I'll make to you. And after you die, I will raise up your descendant, and I will establish his kingdom, and I will build a house for my name, and I will establish his kingdom forever. Now, literally it says this euphemism, when your days are full and you rest with your fathers. That's how the Bible says you're dead. Next, he says, I will establish his kingdom. Now, this is a, a double prophecy. There's many of them in scripture. First, he means that Solomon will be king after his father. But the descendant who is the eternal king with the eternal kingdom is no one less than Jesus, the son of David. And then he says, he will build my house for my name. Again, a double prophecy. We saw this in Chronicles a few summers ago. Solomon built the great temple according to the plan Yahweh had given to his father David. It was David's last charge to Solomon. But now, and we've studied Ephesians in this church, now Jesus is building a holy temple made up of both God's people, the nation of Israel, and people from all nations, every single nation on earth. God wants his people to be one people. Jesus is building this spiritual temple. So the bottom line here is this. Yahweh said no to David's desire to build a house for him. But instead, and I'm sure David never imagined this, and go and read on the rest of this chapter, you'll see how David was blown away by this word. He will build a house to David from his descendant. And yes, while David will die, the eternal king who will come from him will never die. Jesus is risen from the dead and he's alive forevermore. In the end, God's plan for David far exceeded his own plan for himself. And you know, I've walked with God for over 40 years now. One thing I have learned, when I don't get what I want and sometimes my heart is broken, I've got to realize God has something better for me if I'll just wait You see, when God says no, he has something better in mind. He has a better way. So when David's descendants, this is another one, it's beautiful. When they commit iniquity, they'll be chastened. But Yahweh's strong love will not depart from David's line as it did with Saul, and his kingdom will be established forever. So, We saw this again in Chronicles. More than half of David's descendants committed iniquity, and some of them were outright bad. But what does God do? As a father, he chastens him. And he says, I may not do it directly. I may use the rod of men, and I may use the plagues that come on the sons of man. But my strong love always He says, my strong love will not depart from them. And remember Manasseh. 
after a lifetime of being evil, eventually repented. It won't depart from him as I took my strong love from Saul, whom I put away from you. And on the back of your bulletin, as I was preparing this sermon for this week, my morning read through the Bible in a year calendar had me read Psalm 89. It's almost a full day's reading, but I put some of it on the back of the bulletin. And then he says, it will be a forever kingdom. Your kingdom will be established forever. Living 3,000 years later, we know that's through Messiah Jesus. And then this part blew me away when I thought about it. And I don't know how many times I've read this chapter. It says, according to all these words and this vision, Nathan spoke to David. We can only wonder what the vision was and how marvelous it was given the power of the words themselves, which is all we have. Now let's go forward to our gospel page, which speaks, or passage, which speaks to the fulfillment. So in the beginning of the gospel, according to Luke, the angel Gabriel tells Mary, she must not fear, and she will give birth to a son called Savior, and he will be great, and the Lord God will give him his father David's throne. So first of all, Gabriel commands Mary not to fear because she has found grace with God and the son born to her will be called Yeshua. And the angel said to her, you must not be fearing Mary because you found grace with God. Now this is a present tense imperative And I think what's happening here, Gabriel, which means mighty one of God. So he must have had an awesome appearance as God's messenger. He senses fear in Mary and tells her she must not be afraid while he is with her. And then he gives the reason. Mary has found grace with God. And I took some comfort as I thought about this, you know, because even people who put God totally at the center of their lives, they may not realize how much grace they have truly found from God. Mary didn't know. And then using one of the most common biblical words to get attention, behold, behold. You will conceive and you will bear a son. Now, I'm going to get really technical. It's not in the outline. These verbs are in the middle voice, which means both the subject and the object are interacting with each other. In other words, while God will do the heavy work, Mary will cooperate with him. And think of Philippians 2. We're to work out our salvation with fear and trembling, but God is working in us. And this is what's happening here. While Mary does her part to carry Jesus for nine months, God is always working in her. And then conceive and bear. So we're told later the Holy Spirit will come over her and she will conceive. And although God, the Holy Spirit, is the Father, she will actually bear the son, natural childbirth. And you will, I'm sorry, yeah. And you will call his name Jesus. Now, Jesus is the English-Greek transliteration of Yeshua, which means Savior. And think of what we hear in Matthew's gospel, oftentimes at Christmas, the last week of Advent, he will save his people from their sins. And then this one will be called great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and his kingdom will not 
end. Okay, let's go through it literally. This one will be great, and he will be called son of the highest. Now, none, we know this. If we know God at all, none is greater than the highest God. And this is what some people can't grasp that don't really know God. By being God's son, Jesus is as great as his father. And the Lord God will give him the throne of David, his father. This is a direct reference back to the prophecy that Yahweh gave Nathan that we consider earlier to give to David. In fact, the very name of God, the Lord God, is the Greek version of the full covenant name of God in the Hebrew scriptures, Adonai Yahweh. In this word, through Gabriel, declares once and for all that the Lord God is fulfilling his word to David through the life of Jesus Christ. Jesus, the Savior, fulfills Nathan's messianic word to David. And then we get two great truths here. And most of us can be thankful for the second one. But first, he shall be king over the house of Jacob to the ages. Now remember, in Genesis, Jacob's name was changed to Israel, which could either mean he will be a prince of God, that's how the King James chooses to translate the word, or it could mean he has prevailed with God after he had wrestled all night with God. So, the Savior will be king over the 12 tribes of Israel, literally to the ages, or we can correctly say in English, for eternity. And now here's the last word, and I think it applies to most of us. And of his kingdom, it will not end. And this word end means end in every way. There is no limit to God's kingdom, not in its duration, not in the extent of the earth that it will cover. All nations, all ethnic groups, nor to the people who may enter, okay? No one is excluded from God's kingdom. The only way we get excluded is by excluding ourselves, okay? So, this kingdom will go to all nations and to all people that they may learn to obey all that Jesus commanded. We know these words from Matthew 28 and Acts 1. So here's the application of everything we've considered in Scripture. Let us be so excited that Jesus has fulfilled God's word to David given by Nathan that we will work ourselves so that no one is excluded from God's kingdom. And also, may we be motivated to seek God as to how we can work in him to hasten its consummation using a phrase from the last chapter of Peter's second epistle. You see, Jesus the Savior fulfills Nathan's messianic word to David. So let's just quickly summarize the key facts of our scriptures for this morning. David, who's at rest in a cedar house, wants to build a house for God, but God says no. However, God will make a descendant of David to be the eternal king. Now, some 1,000 years later, Mary is told her God-conceived son will be called Savior, and the Lord God will give him his father David's throne. 
Jesus is the eternal King and Messiah, prophesied over 3,000 years ago. He fulfills Nathan's messianic word to David. So now, before we um, partake of communion, let us sing in our songbooks number 260. Probably most of you have your communion kits, but I'm going to have to apologize. While the rest of you that don't have them get them, I got to scramble upstairs and come back. Take 30 seconds. Okay. Does everybody have uh, the bread in the cup? All right. That's about right. Okay. Let us uh, take our bulletin inserts now again and uh, participate in our communion responsive reading. The table of bread is now to be made ready. It is the table of company with Jesus and all who love him. So come to the table, you who have much You who have been here often, you who have not been for a long time, and you who have tried to follow Jesus, and you who have failed, come. It is Christ who invites us to meet him here. Loving God, through your goodness, may we know your presence in the sharing so that we may know your touch and presence in all things. We celebrate the life that Jesus has shared among all his community through the centuries he shares with us now. May one in Christ and one with each other, we offer these gifts 
given ourselves a single living act of praise. Amen. And now let us pray. Holy Lord God, by what we do here in remembrance of Christ, we celebrate his perfect sacrifice on the cross and his glorious resurrection and ascension. We declare that he is Lord of all and we prepare for his coming kingdom. We pray through you, Holy Spirit, that this bread may be for us the body of Christ and this cup, the blood of Christ. Accept our sacrifice of praise as we eat and drink at his command. Unite us to Christ as one body in him and give us strength to serve you in the world and to you, one holy and eternal God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we give praise and glory now and forever. Amen. And now let us partake of the bread and the cup. Everything that we have done in our time of worship this morning has focused on Jesus Christ and in him. So now for our last song before the benediction, let us take our bulletin inserts and sing that song, In Christ Alone. This is 
benediction or good word comes from the 15th chapter of the apocalypse that was given to John. And I saw, as it were, a sea of glass mixed with fire. And those who had come off victorious from the beast and from his image and from the number of his name, standing on the sea of glass holding harps of God. And they sang the song of Moses, the bondservant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are thy works, O Lord God the Almighty. Righteous and true are thy ways, thou King of the nations. Who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify thy name? For thou alone art holy. For all the nations will come and worship before thee. For thy righteous acts have been revealed. And after these things I looked, and the temple of the tabernacle of the testimony in heaven was opened. And the testimony of Jesus is open to all of us now. We need but humbly receive it. And now for our last song this morning, let's sing number 103, He is Lord. Lord.